senses will never be the same. Talking Tommy with Kit Power. Our very special guest, Steve Shaw. Everybody, welcome, welcome at last to episode one of Talking Tommy with Kit Power. I am your host, Kit Power, and uh, our guest Steve Shaw is waiting in the wings and will be joining us shortly. Um, so this has been fun, man. This has been fun. We decided to do something different for the first episode. So uh, normally, as you'll probably be aware, I record these uh, commentary tracks over Skype, and uh, you know, me and my guest, we sit. Uh, and when we do the countdown backwards from five for for you, the audience and the commentary track, we're actually doing the same thing ourselves. We're hitting play at the same time in our respective devices, watching the film together and then having the conversation. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's how it normally goes. But Steve very kindly uh, agreed to come come and visit me at my house for the weekend to record the uh, to record the Tommy track. He uh, he prefers to podcast face to face because he's uh, as he correctly observes it's more conversational. You you tend to get a, an easier back and forth when you can read each other's body language and so forth. And indeed, so it proved as you're going to hear shortly. Um, but there was a trade off, and in this case, the trade off was. Uh, a few interesting technical issues which I'm going to have to lead you through now because they impact on what you're about to hear. The first one was mainly trivial. I had bought a new microphone for the occasion. It's the same microphone I'm using now. Um, I'm very happy with it, but it did seem to uh, pick up a buzz on the on the audio track that, that played throughout the, the recording of the commentary itself, even though it wasn't on the test recordings because it never is, is it? So um, that was fun. I have with a certain amount of effort managed to doctor that out so i think we'll be okay i think the buzz is gone so that's not going to be causing you any problems but it does partly explain why this has taken me a little while longer than i'd have hoped to get out um the second issue was that because there were two of us and there was one microphone and the microphone was placed in the middle uh we're both a little quiet i am especially quiet because uh obviously as the professional podcaster in the room i didn't make sure i was talking in the direction of the mic often enough whereas steve did so um i did what i could with the levels i think it's loud enough now i think it's mostly clear enough but i am a bit quiet and i apologize for that occasionally you'll hear me drift off especially when i'm mumbling at the end of a sentence um you'll you'll occasionally lose me apologies for that i did the best i could with the levels but uh you know if i turn up the loudness too much then every time we laugh we pierce your eardrums and i think that's probably inappropriate there was one other thing that did happen though which i, I really have to share with you because it's just so surreal i've never had this happen before so i've recorded i don't know how many podcasts now but you know i mean there's there's hundreds and hundreds of hours of me talking on the internet at this point and um an issue occurred during this recording that i have never had happen before which is this at a certain point my laptop uh went into sleep mode which has happened before when i've been recording you know it went to screensaver and then sleep um however when it did so this time which it has never done before um it actually stopped the recording, unbeknownst to me. And I'd spotted that it had gone at some point into sleep mode and I started it back up again. And at that point, unbeknownst to me, the recording carried on again. Um, and the consequence of that means that this commentary track you're about to hear is actually not going to function terribly well as a commentary track. Because at some point around the the 40 minute mark, uh, it, it drops out and it drops out and we lose 
we lose about 20 to 25 minutes worth of the conversation. So unfortunately, as I say, the podcast isn't going to work as a commentary track per se, because even though in every other respect we're reacting a lot to what goes on on screen, so it's really unfortunate because there's, there's a really good kind of commentary aspect to it. As I say, after the first 45 minutes, you're going to, you know, it's no longer going to sync up with what you're seeing on screen because we lost 20 minutes of the recording. Now, in and of itself, that's just a thing that happens. And I, I thought about it and I thought, I mean, there's no point in trying to re-record that missing 20 minutes. It's just not going to work. The conversational flow won't be there. Um, equally, I didn't want to not put it out because I think what we did preserve is good. And it does still work as a podcast. I've listened to it through and it's fine. But here's the bit that you're going to enjoy, those of you who are familiar with my particular story with Tommy. The moment where the commentary track cuts out is just in the middle of Uncle Ernie. And it comes back again just after I'm free, as Tommy wakes up on the rocks with his mother anxiously looking on. Now, <laughs> now I, you know, I don't believe in synchronicity. I do believe in coincidence. It's clearly a coincidence, right? It's just a thing that happened. The laptop stopped working for a period of time. And the fact that it coincides with the bit of the movie that scared me the most as a kid and that prevented me from coming back and the fact that it comes back in at the point at which Tommy wakes up I just have to take that as a delicious piece of happenstance and nothing more. But for those of you out there who are perhaps more uh, spiritually or supernaturally minded than me, I, you know, if you want to enjoy that as being some kind of sign or message or, you know, uh, intervention from a trickster spirit named Russell, um, I, I'm not going to begrudge you that joy for for one minute. <laughs> I might even share it. The other thing I do want to say is just, you know, reminder that this is a conversational podcast. For those of you who aren't familiar with my, you know, earlier broadcasts on watching Robocop with Kit Power, um, for those of you who are listening to this who like Robocop, go check that out because I had a lot of fun uh, and spoke to a lot of people. But, I, you know, the conversation is very free-flowing. Sometimes it is a direct commentary on what's going on in the movie and other times there are a lot of digressions. I mean, there's, there's a lot of impacts, a lot of things that flow from that. One of those are I make mistakes. You'll hear me in this podcast uh, insist in no uncertain terms that a Anderson shower is a Morrison shelter and vice versa. I get them the wrong way around and Steve very kindly doesn't correct me on it. Uh, we go on a riff at one point about um, Roger Daltrey's autobiography and I express mock annoyance at the fact that it came out before I could, you know, after I finished the book and therefore I was unable to make um, proper usage of it. I'm sure if the conversation had circled back around naturally, I would have gotten to the point of making it clear that obviously I'm actually a huge Roger Daltrey fan, as is Steve. So uh, apologies if if that particular part of the podcast makes us sound like we're we're more anti-Roger than we are. Hopefully, hopefully the humour in that moment does come across and you see that. But I did, having listened to it back, I do want to make it explicit. I think, I'm, I'm sure the autobiography is great from everything I've heard from the interviews and I'm, I'm eagerly looking forward to, to reading it. So just for the avoidance of doubt... Um, and similarly, there's a lot of laughter generally, and I hope that that is seen in the appropriate way. I hope that's seen as affectionate laughter. I think that um, one of the things that the extreme sometimes does provoke is a, is a reaction of laughter. And, you know, laughter is fundamentally an expression of joy. And certainly when I'm laughing whilst watching a Ken Russell movie, I think, you know, the, I'm laughing with Ken, not at him. And I'm certainly not laughing at the art. Um, it really is more just a kind of pleasure response to some of the stuff I'm seeing. And again, I, you know, 
I'm ninety percent certain in context that the context that's fairly clear anyway, but I wanted to make it explicit here up top just so that you understood where I was coming from because you know I don't I don't want to be misunderstood on this particular subject. That's quite important to me. Anyway, with that in mind, and again with apologies for the technical difficulties on this uh, on this debut episode, and without further ado, let me throw over to the one and only Steve Shaw. So it is my great pleasure to welcome to the show Steve Shaw. Steve, how does the day find you, my friend? Oh, it's been a dream. It's been an absolute dream. As I said to you before we started recording, my journey up here has been an absolute treat. <laughs> Loving those Sunday afternoon drivers. <laughs> Big shout out to all Sunday afternoon drivers out there. Love yes, you kids. May you all burn in hell. Please, please, if you, if you would. <laughs> Preferably before I start going home, that'd be nice. Other than that, I'm great. Yeah. Good. Yeah, good to have you. So this is a, yeah, one, a, a rare a rare treat for me, getting to actually do the podcast face-to-face with someone. Well, I yeah. This very often, I mean, so. I th- it, as a podcast listener, it makes a big difference to me. Sure. When I can tell people are in the same room, because you get kind of you can play off each other's reactions a bit better, I think, if you're sitting next to one another. Definitely, yeah. Um, also, you can just you know try your best to make each other crack up while you're doing it, <laughs> just for punishment reasons. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and you don't get that kind of constant, you know, interrupting each other thing that happens on Skype, which is a kind of a thing. So, yeah, I'm not guaranteeing that. No, 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 clearly. So uh, <laughs> we're saying we're saying to watch Tommy, obviously, because that's that's the sure. new thing. But I'd like to start by asking you a couple of questions about your history with the movie. Starting with, uh, can you remember how old you were when you first saw the movie, Tommy? Uh, I would say probably eleven, twelve, no, twelve, thirteen, maybe. Right, okay. around about that time. I say that because. I first saw it taped off the TV. Right, okay. And I didn't get a VCR until I was 12. Okay. I say didn't get a VCR. My parents didn't have a VCR. Sure. I got a lovely Toshiba top loader when I was 12 for my birthday. <laughs> oh, wow. And recorded it off the TV. Okay. Um, okay. And in those days, I had, I think I owned that. I say owned. I had that. I owned a copy of Highlander. Right. And yeah. I owned a copy of Rocky Horror. And that was it. They were the only th- three films I had. Three movies with fairly classic soundtracks. So well, you've got that's to say. Uh, yeah. I obviously, mean... I was drawn to uh, to films that I could sing along to. <laughs> which you, your your listeners will be pleased, and I'm going to try and avoid doing today. <laughs> and I'm sure they're all thrilled to hear that. Apart, apart from during Fiddle About, obviously. <laughs> oh God, please! <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that are listening, I have read Kit's book on Tommy before we start today, so I know the bits that really freak him out. Yeah, so he's decided basically to torture me. That's just what's happening. So you're aware of that. <laughs> you lucky people. Oh God, stop. Okay, so. Uh, <laughs> So that's 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 your first encounter with Tommy. How did you find it at that age, and and how many times have you seen it? Oh, since? I loved it, absolutely loved it. Okay. I mean, I I came to it because one of my school friends introduced me to the Who, so I I listened to the album again, taped right. from his copy. Okay. Um, on a C ninety, Tommy one side, nice. Quadrophenia the other. Oh, lovely. Yeah, it's a proper double bill. That yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and absolutely loved them. Got into and had no idea that either had been filmed. Right, okay. Uh, and then the uh, the TV Times told me... This is an interesting point, because in your book you specifically say you think it was BBC Two that you saw it on as a kid. Yeah. And I think it was ITV that I taped it from. Oh, interesting. But that was a few years later. Yeah. That yeah. would have been 89, 90-ish. Yeah. So mm. it was, it, I, I, I could be completely misremembering. Well, as could I. I mean, I was seven at the time, so it's all a bit it's all a bit up in the air, isn't it? But yeah, that's interesting. So, um, so you were familiar with the album before? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. 
And which, I mean, you know, impossible question. Which one is? Which one do you love more? Which one do you? Oh, you no, don't do that. No, you can't. No, you can't do that. <laughs> I can. They're, no, they're two different beasts. They are. That's they're true. completely two different beasts. Yeah. Um, they're they're like non-identical twins. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way of putting um, it. Yeah. You know, you've got the the kind of strong will grow up to be a, a successful entrepreneur in the album, mm. and and you've got the kind of slightly more bizarre, possibly an albino, um, <laughs> who who probably grow up to be an avant-garde stage performer in the film. Okay. <laughs> that, okay. That, that sounded coherent, didn't it? Like that, I planned it in advance. <laughs> yeah, that was great. But I, it certainly struck a very clear visual image, so point, <laughs> points for that. Um, Absolutely, yeah. No, I, I, I don't think I can choose between the two. Right. Um, they are very, very different, aren't they? That's the they thing. are very different. I suppose if I had to, as a horror fan predominantly, mm. the film would edge it. Right, okay. Because the film has a sequence, which we will get to, which yeah. horrified me. Right, as yeah, a it's teenager. not the same one that horrified you. Well, it's one of those films. I think uh, I think everyone can find their own horror in it. There's, oh, yes. there's plenty, plenty to go around. I mean, this particular sequence still terrifies me now. Okay, good. Well, so that's that's something to look forward to. There's something for you all to look forward to, ladies and gentlemen, as we go through. Yeah, the film. as I collapse into a gibbering, gibbering heap, heap on the sofa because I can't stand watching it any longer. Fantastic. Well, and and on that bombshell, I think you should probably. Uh, <laughs> probably waste no further time and get straight to the movie so let's do that for those of you playing along at home i've got uh the the tommy movie queued up in front of us on dvd we have the words robert stigwood presents on a white writing on a blue background so if you want to get queued up to that that's what we're looking at um and as usual i'll do the count backwards from five and then we will be watching tommy so in five four three two one smash the mirror here we go we have the we have the tone, a film by Ken Russell, most assuredly. That's nice, isn't it? A film by Ken Russell, Tommy... By the Who. By the Who. That is quite sweet. <laughs> so this is quite interesting already, because obviously those people that are familiar with the film, which I assume is everybody that's listening, <laughs> will know that this shot is echoed at the end of the film. Yeah. Well, I had no idea this shot existed until a couple of years ago, maybe. Oh, interesting, because you... Because I'd taped it off the TV, right. and I'd set it to... I think it was on about half midnight, and I'd set it to record. Right. And obviously it started a bit earlier, or my clock was a bit off. Yeah, yeah. And so I missed this whole picnic scene. Yeah, see, anyone listening to this under the age of about 35 will not have a clue what you're talking about. But no, that's is, true. This is the thing we used to have to do. We used to set timers, and if the clock was out, then you'd, you'd end up not you'd, recording you'd the bits. program. To be fair, anybody under the age of 35, I mean, I, I don't care. So, <laughs> you're... You're all dead to me. All, all you beautiful people, you're all dead to me. Well, that's, that's fair. That's I, fair. I, I got to the point this year where I realised that my first Glastonbury was 25 years ago this year. I, I feel old now, so oh. so all of you children. Yeah, you also, know you shouldn't what? be watching this scene if you're, if you're under 35, because no, it's dirty. No, certainly shouldn't. Oh, really, the film, I think. I or, actually, yeah, the whole film. This film should have a 35 certificate, as far as I'm concerned. At least. It's completely unsuitable. And margaret though, I have to say. I don't know Anne margaret from much, but she's a good-looking woman in this film. She's a good-looking woman, yeah. yeah. She did. Uh, I did a little bit of research on her to, to get a sense of her background other than this film for the book and I watched uh, Viva Las Vegas and uh, what was the other film watched Carnal Knowledge and, right uh, yeah, two very similar pictures very similar films mm. in a lot of ways yeah but no she's I mean she's a firecracker especially actually Viva Las Vegas is uh, 
an awful film that is entirely redeemed by the fact that Anne Margaret is brilliant. <laughs> I mean, she is fantastic. Um, is, is, am I right in thinking she's in The Devils as well? I don't. That I don't know. I haven't. You know what? I haven't seen The Devils. Me neither. No, I'm actually. We're appalling, to... aren't we? The pair of us. <laughs> I never claimed to be a camera selection expert. In well, fairness. no, me neither. Uh, I did. I did make when I made the pitch to Neil. I made it very, very clear I wasn't a camera. Selection. No, I'm scared of The Devils. I, the, I the can reputation. understand that. Yeah. The reputation of that film just, and you know, given how much this film disturbs me, the idea of well, yeah, it's, it's an Oliver Reed plus, you know. well, exactly. I'm not sure I'm ready for that. Oliver Reed achieves his ultimate form, <laughs> um, yeah, it's there on my shelf, it's sat there being shiny and new and yeah, never played. See, the the, the lie I tell other people is I'm waiting for the full director's cut and I right. refuse to watch it inside, but the truth is, I'm just too scared. Well, that's all right. Nobody's going to listen to this. They no, that's, you know. Be fine. <laughs> I did think about it because the BFI filmed it um, last year. I think they did a. Yeah, they did. They did a screening, and I thought about it, but no. It suddenly, had had something pressing. I had to be. Oh, honest, yeah. So. yeah, surprise. <laughs> I should go to more of those. Yeah, I used man. to go to the BFI screenings all the time, and they were oh, last year. I went. Oh, no, a couple of years now. I went to the. They did a Stephen King. Um, yeah. Uh, series and I, I saw the double bill of on the IMAX screen of uh, Carrie and The Shining. And nice, that was fantastic. Yeah, never. The Shining was a revelation to me on the big screen. It really was. I yeah, hate, I can imagine. I hate when people say that because I always think it's obnoxious, but it's true. <laughs> it is actually true for The Shining. It, I, I saw it in a way I just had not seen before. Oh, that was a classic Russell shot, wasn't it? The, oh yeah, the, ga- <laughs> the gas mask and the bra. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's a beautiful moment. <laughs> it is indeed. And do you know what? I think there's, a, there's a possibility that this is actually where I came in. It may even be later than I thought. Oh, them getting on the train. But I don't know. Yeah. I kind of. Oh. I think I might remember the phone ringing from a couple of minutes ago, but that okay. could just be from later viewings. Because this is very. I mean, this is silent movie stuff, isn't it? Oh, this brief encounter. Yeah. 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 Cheerio! Yeah. I'm sure you'll be back. I'm, de- soon. I'm definitely going to come home. <laughs> yes. Wife of mine who doesn't have a first name. <laughs> Does she have a first name? No, nope. didn't she's think so. Mother. She's just mother, isn't she? Yeah, she is. Although yeah. not even that at this stage, but yeah. Well, no, she's just Anne Margaret. Indeed. Um, caged Anne Margaret. That shot's a throwback to the original album cover as well, isn't it? Yeah. The, the lattice there. It's only just occurred to me actually that the kind of mirror there that. You've got that lattice shot of her looking through, and in a couple of minutes, less than a couple of minutes, you'll see she physically encages herself. Yeah, yeah, she's in the um, what's it called? It was it? Oh God, what was the name of that? Mor- Anderson Shelter, I think it was called. Something like that. Yeah, is that yeah. an Anderson Shelter? I don't Mor- know. Morrison Shelter, Anderson. Oh, Anderson Shelter was the right term. I always thought those were like those big kind of metal sheds. No, that's the Morrison Shelter. Oh right, right. this is an Anderson Shelter, which is a yeah, it's it's underneath the table. It's a cage under a table. It's a rabbit cage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Ken Russell slept in one of those as a kid. Is that right? Oh, yeah, well, there you go. So you know far more about Russell than I do. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know what I had to know to write the book. Well, there you go. That's far more than I do. <laughs> I'm very narrowly educated in Ken Russell. Yeah, I've seen yeah, this too. probably fifty times. Right. I've seen Lair of the White Worm a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen Whore. Yeah. God, this is spooky. We're already piece ex- of filmmaking. We're on exactly the same page with Russell so far. That's really terrible. Um. Now, did he do Dirty Weekend? Oh, no, I think that was Winner, wasn't it? That was Winner, you're right. Yeah, yeah I'm getting the two confused. Oof. Yeah. There's <laughs> Neil, a party waiting to happen. Neil Snowden's going to kill you for that. <laughs> <laughs> he won't be able to look you in the eye after that admission. I, I'm sorry, Neil. <laughs> Very sorry. Maybe we've got the, the pinballs, the ball bearings. Absolutely, yeah. And again, again, it wasn't until much later that I kind of saw the, the mirror here. 
Yeah. Between what I don't know what what her name is. I'm going to call her Johnny. What Johnny Walker's doing, and <laughs> I'm not going to do that because that's a terrible game. Don't do that. <laughs> what what she's doing and and obviously the pinballs later on. Yeah, and I like I like the idea that the the, the pinballs become that they start as munitions and then they become a source of ent- like uh, entertainment for the yes, kids of the sixties. That's actually quite a neat bit of symbolism. This is the first bit that disturbed me when I was a kid. I don't know why, but this messenger freaked me out. I think it's because on a dodgy VHS she looks like she's got a beard. Oh right, because yeah, because of the dirt from the uh, where she's had her goggles, her yeah. cycling goggles on, so her face is dirty, but her eyes are clear. Yeah, I could see that. So I, I, I don't know. It could be that. Could just be I was a weird kid. <laughs> no, I. This is this is a film that throws weird images at you, and I think, I mean, I, you know. I, I did talk about this in the book, but like kids, kids' brains are weird places as well mm. already. So I think uh, I don't know. This, this, it's obviously completely unsuitable for kids. It's also equally somehow a very good representation of kids' brains. I think. Yeah, absolutely. The way kids' minds sort of free associate. I mean, this this is possibly why I was a weird kid. <laughs> well, yeah, we can't ignore that possibility can because we? at a certain point, sort of, when I came into double figures, I started discovering things like The Who and Pink Floyd. Yeah, and this film, and Twin Peaks, and you know, all the kind of weird stuff that's that's kept me in nightmare fuel for the last thirty years. There really is no coming back from that, man. Absolutely, I, I Twin Peaks in particular is still my favourite show. Yeah, watched it for the first time when it first aired. Oh my god! You see, I I wasn't allowed to watch it because my dad was watching it. He was like, "No, this is too weird for you." <laughs> yeah, I think if if either of my parents had seen it at the time, <laughs> yeah, they'd have probably said, "No, this is this is not for you." Yeah, but you know, from the from the trailers, it looked like a soap. Right. Just well, a bit yeah, of a, a bit of a weird or soap. a murder mystery, maybe yeah. some combination of those. Yeah. And then you start watching it, and it's yeah, <laughs> it, it's one of the most effective horror films yeah, ever yeah, made. Yeah. It's no, it's just, incredible. Just takes thirty hours to get there. It is. I mean, that's a, it's a funny. That's a theme that I find that I keep coming back to in these conversations as I talk to people involved in in, in horror and in the you know in in the creative fields more generally. There's this. There is a there is a thing that seems to unite us about being exposed to clearly completely inappropriate art at a far too yeah. young age, and it just seems to have yeah, very much so. seismic impacts on our kind of shared imagination. That shot of him burning, I remember that really fucking. Yeah, that thinking. sticks in the memory, doesn't it? And this little creepy kid. Yeah. Second only to Damien for on-screen creepiness. <laughs> really? I think, he yeah. He freaks you out. Okay. He, he's not right, is he? No, he's not. Really? No, he's not. He's not right at all. It's a, it's a great performance. Really. It is fantastic. Uh-huh. I've, I, this is the, right, this is the first time, sat here live now, yep. the first time that I've realised that that's Sally Simpson's dad that lays the wreath. That lays the wreath, yeah, it is. It is. Never picked that up before. <laughs> you see, this is a film that keeps on giving. It is. Well, and the the twin nurses that deliver Tommy, we'll see them again later yes. on. Yes. Um, I know about that because it was in the book. Ah, That's the see. Reason, see, ladies and gentlemen, this man has read the book. Yeah, I read the book. The I'm always learning. A class act all the way. I'm sure you I was agree. really bored the other day. <laughs> I was lying in bed and thought, what can I reach without having to move? <laughs> and it was, well, it was that. And unfortunately, the only thing was that. It was that or look at Facebook. Oh, well, you so, made a wise choice, then, you know. if I may say so. <clears throat> Here we are at Bernie's Holiday Club. Oh, there he is. There he is. Everybody's favourite uncle. Jeez. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. Right, something I was going to talk about now, and you mentioned this in the book. Yep. I think I say that. It might have been in the book. It might have been in the cast of Jibber Neil. Yep. 
about um, about Oliver Reed's singing performance. Mm. And he does yeah. get a lot of flack for it. He does. Because he's not a great singer. No. But he is perfect for this role. Yeah, yeah, 100%. No, it's in the book. And yeah, no, it is. It's the... Uh, because the the perform the vocal performance perfectly represents the character. Yeah. You know, someone coasting on charm. Absolutely. Um, and someone who's not as charming as he thinks he is as well. There's that kind of aspect to it as well. But True. No, it's... I, I think... It, it's one of the things that makes the movie so special for me and, and makes you know, underlines how important Russell is to the to the story, to this version of the story, is that yeah, you know, Uncle Frank doesn't exist in the No indeed in the rock opera. He's a completely a, a creation of Russell's and But watching this you can't imagine it without him. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's difficult to listen to the to the original album now without imagining an Uncle Frank character involved in it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think in a film that that really is packed from start to finish with objectionable characters, <laughs> actually Uncle Frank's right up there. Oh yeah, yeah, no, this you is know, a, this I mean, is a film full of creeps, and he is still, uh, yeah. He, I suppose, he does have career career development, character development, I should say, during the course of the film. But he he develops from being a git to a spectacular git. Yeah, it's not a good development. Oh god, no, it? he only goes downhill. <laughs> no, just yeah, just. Uh, I mean, the thing for me is like he's he's always looking for the angle, right? Yeah. That's the root of the. Characters. Oh, absolutely! In his mind, it's Frank, and then that's it. Yeah, you know, he's the much. most important thing. What is this as well? This kid's wearing. I don't. Know, that's shocking. Don't know what's going on with that swimming costume. Now. I mean, I, I I was born in the seventies, but I never saw anything like that. <laughs> well, but this is this is the this also, isn't the seventies, is it? This is the forties, I guess. Oh, of course, yeah. It's supposed to be the forties, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that would make more sense. <laughs> we we did miss another quality Ken Russell shot there. The um, the pan up and Margaret's legs. <laughs> and Margaret's legs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was uh, he appreciated the female form that Ken Russell. He certainly did. Like, yes, he, uh, yeah. He was quite fond of uh, the ladies. He certainly was mm. uh, undeniable. <laughs> Particularly this one. <laughs> well, she is quite. I mean, there's the, there's some fun kind of interviews with uh, Roger Daltrey about that. You know, having to deal with being on screen with Anne Margaret and remind himself she's your mum. She's yeah. your mum. <laughs> It's not not an easy thing to deal with. I, think. I suspect she was having the same thoughts. Well, that certainly comes through in the performance. Yeah, cripes. You know. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it does get creepy. Sort of inappropriate. Oof. It's a shame. I've never I've never met Roger Daltrey. He was um, my dad knew him a bit. Oh right, okay. so he runs a fishery down in Sussex. Right, oh, trout okay, fishery. Right. And dad used to go and fish there. Right, okay. And I kept saying to him, "Oh, I'll come with you one day." Yeah, yeah. I'd love to meet the man. Yeah, never did. Yeah, no, I. I yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan. I think he's a really uh, he's such a. I mean, the thing for me with him is he's just he's so hot on the sleeve. Yeah, you know, he's, there's an, there's such an honesty to him, and uh, you know I've listened to he's done a lot of interviews recently because he's torn his autobiography that he very thoughtfully brought out after I'd finished writing the fucking book. Yeah, cheers, that Roger. So, that's helpful. Uh, you know, could make no use of the insights that he put into his autobiography. There's, there's nothing good in it anyway, I would imagine. Uh, well, maybe not. Don't bother reading that, listeners. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. If you want to know about Tommy, there's a, a book by a guy called Kit Power that's... <laughs> well, I mean, it's not good, but it's... <laughs> it's not even interesting, I wouldn't say. But it, will, it will fill a couple of hours of your life It's it's while it... you're contemplating... <laughs> The inevitable end. It's got some very nice pictures, okay? It does have some very nice pictures, yes. You can claim no credit for those at all. I, I can't because they're from the movie, yeah. but, but they are good. But they are good. They are good. And yeah, the words in between are pretty interesting, to be <laughs> honest. I tell you what, that's one of the things about doing the book as well, going through this film. And uh, it's one of the things that really 
made me appreciate in a new way just what a phenomenal filmmaker Russell is. You you can pause this film at almost any point and you look at the image and you think, yeah, you could put that on the poster. That makes a that makes a perfect still. Yeah, yeah. it's it's quite incredible. Um, oh, here he is! Look, there it is. Creepy, I, creepy. I spent a lot of time on that shot in the book, but I think it deserves it because it really is his performance. Ooh. There's so much going on. There is. A, I mean, very short he goes through quite the gamut of, of stuff yeah. just in this one song. Yeah. I mean, a couple of minutes ago, the, the line, I'll be more more than an uncle, I'll be just like a dad as he's pushing Anne Margaret down. That borderline yeah. carry on. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. Salacious look on his face and whatever. But that's the thing, isn't it? It's what I like about it is it's the kind of really creepy ugliness underneath yeah. the carry on, right? It's that kind of the seedy underbelly of the carry on gag, you know? <laughs> I really like that. Um,. Yeah, and he, God, he looks the part with that haircut. Oh, he does. The, the yes. sideburns, it's fantastic. Beautiful little whatever that is, quiff type. Yeah, yeah, quiff. And duck, he, I love the fact that he's done up front. as a he's done up as a teddy boy as well, which of course are like the the mortal enemies of the mods. You know, absolutely. So he's obviously a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Straight away, you look at the haircut and you go, "No, I'm not going to like this guy." <laughs> no, exactly. Writ large, obviously, in quadrophenia. Yes. Yeah. But, quite. Uh, yeah, but even here, you know, I mean, that's and that's, I mean, Russell would have known enough about that side of things, I think, to know what he's doing with the coding now. Oh, absolutely, we've got, we've got cousin Kevin later on, which is even more kind yeah. of explicit. But yeah, yeah. Right now, see, this this bit is interesting to me because, right. as you say, in the original album, there's no Uncle Frank, no, and it's Robert Powell's character that comes back and kills her lover. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so switched around completely. Yep. Presumably to to place kind of more onus on Tommy as a sympathetic character. I th- yeah, I think there's some of that. I think it, it opens up all kinds of. I mean, again, in the book I talk about, but like for me, this changes it to a. This makes it a, a classical story. This makes it like a like a Greek tragedy or like a Shakespearean play because that's you know fathers getting murdered and replaced is a is a concern of of you know ancient storytelling absolutely good yeah um and i think it what it does is ground the story in that uh in that mythic uh you know that mythic archetype at that point um and i think it's a i think it's i think it's a really smart decision i think it really elevates the narrative this is this is a start of a, a running theme for me for the next half hour or so of this film yeah with the difference between frank and his mother yeah Frank, see Frank's rendition there. If you didn't see it, is properly slimy and oily, yeah. and whereas Anne Margaret is pleading. Yeah, you're right, and it's great because they say exactly the same words, but you can mm. see their faces there. We've got the shot of the two of them staring at him. Absolutely, and they're completely different. The emotional undercurrent to what they're saying is completely different, um, and yet they're saying the same thing. And obviously, it has the you know has the same impact. It's the I call it the casting of the spell in the book, you know, because mm. they say it three times. Absolutely, it is. Know, I mean, it's it's an incantation. Really. It, it, I, I think probably more than anything else in the film, that's what disturbed me. That As that little sequence yeah. there, Robert Powell getting hit with the light. Yeah, yeah. I I found really horrifying for yeah. some reason. But the fact that his face is burned too is part yeah. of it because he's already hurt, he's already injured, he looks really creepy. I think, and uh, yeah, it's a tough sequence. But yeah, that. I'm not and, and then, as you say, the spell that they cast upon him, and it yeah. is, it's it's his mother saying, "Please, please don't ever tell the world what we did." Yeah. And his soon-to-be stepfather going, "You will not tell the world right. what we did." Right. And the combination of those two obviously lock him in yeah. for the next twenty years. 
and the difference there in terms of like the the gender roles and the persuade you know the, that's really interesting the mother pleading with the father it's definitely that there's there's definitely a very heavy implied threat isn't yeah there? there's, there's absolutely. no question there's anger and yeah and then of course they're they're playing happy families but it's 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 a complete nightmare and I, this sequence i remember as a kid just being like completely freaked out by this oh yeah it's just it's, it's this mesmeric. I love. This is a, a beautiful moment for Frank. Yeah, the, completely the sh- oblivious yeah. to the fact that you know he's teaching, admittedly, a boy who can't appreciate what he's doing. Yeah, but he's teaching him to shoot down planes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, on a video yeah. game. And again, it's just the sheer like shallowness of the man. And then when he realizes, she gives him the look, and he just keeps doing it. Then out of malice. That's it. Which uh, again is very well observed. Kind of, you know, I think we all know people like that, don't we? Who's, who's yeah, I think we've met one they, or two. Yeah. yeah, whose instinct when they fuck up rather than to apologise is to kind of double down. Double down and it's well bollocks to it. I've started now. Yeah, exactly. That disturbed me. Yeah, that is Boy with the box as, on his head. Freaky as shit. Man. is just, still now, is, is yeah. a really creepy image. And spinning round, the, the, the aimless spinning, just, mm. you know, and he's on a beach. Why is he on a beach? I don't know, but it's really like... <laughs> yeah, why, why would you not be on a beach? Why would you not be on a beach? I don't know. And then we're doing the zooms into the yeah. eyeballs, and they're God Almighty! This is a fucking great bit of filmmaking. It really man. is. I just love this. This this whole kind of part animated sequence is yeah. fantastic. And everything about I find that there's something about that keyboard sound I find faintly delirious, and I don't know what that is, but maybe it's probably the connection of this. It's probably, maybe yeah. In my mind, it's just kind of it's it's intimately connected. With yeah. See, for me, that. it's Mooney in the background. Yeah. It's that. That drum track, and yeah. all the way through the film, and all the way through the album, and in fact, all the way through the Who's career, it's yeah. all Moon for me. Yeah. I I played drums a little bit when I was a teenager. It's always been the instrument that I've kind of gravitated to. Oh, he's yeah, and he's kind of and he he is the guy I wanted to be. Yeah, I'm sure there are arguments to be made for there being better drummers in the world, but I've not heard them, and if I do. I'm not going to agree with him. No, I think the only name that normally comes up is Bonham, and I think I give yeah. Moon, I give Moon the edge. I really yes, do. I say so. I think because I think there's just something instinctive about Moon that you can't. Really it is. Apart. It's with Moon. I always get this kind of stream of consciousness feel about his drumming. Oh. Yeah, it's just he's just kind of twatting things, and and it somehow works. And the other thing that I remember seeing, I think it was uh, Townsend talking about with Moon that people miss a lot is, is dry, like he had a sense of humour to him. Mm. Like the some of his drum rolls, you just hear these kind of paradiddles that will put in, and they're funny. They actually kind yeah. of, they delight, you know. Um, and you get the sense he was doing it for the sheer joy of doing it because, well, because yeah. he could. It's know? a fucking opera, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, shut up, it's a bleed opera. <laughs> no, he was he was, he was amazing, and. Uh, yeah, I just I love that. But the other thing about him is that he, you know, he had that he had that kind of you know herd of buffaloes apparently free flowing approach. But the, he was on the money. But it was man, perfect every yeah. single time. It's it's not just like flailing and it kind of works. Oh. It's it it looked like flailing. Yeah, but spot on. But it holds the whole thing together. You listen to live leads, and there's especially with the live stuff. You hear moments where you know Townsend in particular is getting a little. How can I put it politely? Extemporaneous on a guitar. Oh yeah, and really, Moon, Pete Townsend. I know it doesn't sound like no. it, but, but Mooney just holds the whole goddamn thing together yeah. by you know him and him and Entwistle, just that rhythm. Section. Oh well, Entwistle. I mean, yeah, the bassist obviously is is famously the least recognised person in a four piece, but yeah, but still, you know, more often than not, along with the drummer, carries the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. And there are various points in in this 
this album and this film that you can hear that from Entwistle. Yeah, oh God, that he yeah. is the the force behind it. Oh, know? definitely. And I mean, well, and he wrote he wrote two of the songs for this, right? He wrote Cousin Kevin and Uncle Ernie about Fiddle About is is a is it an Entwistle composition? Right. So he's fucking wrong as well, then. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. Right. Well, it's Townsend. Okay. Townsend couldn't bring himself to write him. He was too free. I can see his point. Yeah, he was. He was too kind of free. He knew they needed to be in the story, but he couldn't do it. So yeah, the, the Entwistle credits. This is another example of what I was saying a minute ago of the the differing in parent parental approach, if you will. Yeah. And Margaret pleading with him, trying to get through to him, and Oliver Reed's tactics just shout at him. Yeah. Well, he, I, the thing is, though, it ties into that thing. Like Frank, fundamentally, uh, Frank doesn't give a shit. Frank's annoyed about Tommy's state, not yeah. because he's annoyed about it, but because it's making Anne Margaret want to sleep with him less often. Like it's literally all he cares about. That's know? it. And exact right that exact moment there, he just pulls her away from yeah. him. Worst Christmas ever. <laughs> Look at it, it's shocking, isn't it? Oh, it's not good. And that kid, I mean, I remember this. I remember seeing that kid in that car and just being like, just heartbroken for him. This is so horrible, you know? And again, I, you know, as an adult looking at it, the, the, as an acting performance, to have to sit at that age. Yeah, absolutely. In the centre, literally the centre of all that. Look at that kinetic energy. Yeah. And he's just got to sit there. Sit there and do nothing. Stare into space. Oh, now he's what five or so here? I can't remember. Right. Yeah, he's something very young, five or six, maybe very young. There you go. So now, now Frank's getting pissed. Yeah. Now yeah. he's getting annoyed. He's a couple of Nicky Brown down. Yeah, that's it, and it's all. And yeah, he's and starting the, to really get pissed off the, with the, the kid now. The bonhomie's starting to wear off. Yeah. And, uh, party spirits starting to curdle a little. And that that shot from Anne Margaret will oh, come back to haunt you again. Goodness. That that looking up at Oliver Reed. Yes. Pissed at him. But not nearly enough. No. <laughs> she no, has we... these moments where she goes, "Well, that's my son." Yeah. But they they are few and far between. Yeah. No, we need we need the cut where she puts a meat fork in his neck. Or <laughs> like, don't we, really? That's the redemption of Anne Margaret. That's what we need. But, um, but I think as well, there's a thing there if you want it about just the the roles that women were forced into at that age. Sure. Yeah. Era, you know, it's just like you couldn't. You know, you if you were a, if you were a wife, that meant certain things. You know, that meant you you put you put yourself second. Yeah, you're subservient to your husband, absolutely. Right. And there's that definitely plays into it. And a, you know, a man like Frank's gonna take full advantage of the of, of you know of what that gives him. Um, I love that look on Oliver Reed's face. It's like, yeah. what the fuck have you given him there? Because yeah. this is the worst Christmas present ever. It's pretty bad, yeah. I would even even if you could see, you probably yeah. wouldn't be terrified. I, I, I would be. Upset he might be by better that. off, to be honest. <laughs> I think like... he probably. I'm, fa- <laughs> I'm fairly sure we actually had that nativity in my house as well. But I mean, what a gift to give to a kid. Yes, no, it's fine. Look, here's here's a little nativity set. You can play with this once a year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it, there he is. And there he is. That's a great transition. That I love that. But it's also what I like about that is it that because that song's later on in the album, but here yeah. it what it does is it sets up the the difference between the two parental approaches to cures, right? Yes, absolutely. And, and you know that feeds in what you were saying about the difference in in their anger levels and all that kind of thing. But also like Anne Margaret's you know mother is always looking for the the spiritual yeah. cure, whereas um, you know Uncle Frank it's always physical. Absolutely. It's always this like, is what I was exactly what I was going to say to you. Right. Okay. Uh, re- reading about. <laughs> Well, I was reading the book about the change of order of the tracks, and it yeah. is this is this is mother's attempt yeah. through religion and faith, yeah. followed by Frank's attempt through drugs, yeah, 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 and then they give up after that it seems, yes. um, for like twenty minutes until they find a doctor, which <laughs> presumably didn't occur earlier on. <laughs> you know, oh, he's unwell. 
What should we yeah. do with him? Take him to church and inject him with acid. We'll take him to a faith here. They'll inject him with acid. We'll leave him with a series of increasingly abusive babysitters. And then, oh, a doctor, maybe? Well, that's the same again, the babysitters. See, I, I, I don't know. I've always assumed Cousin Kevin is a relation of mothers. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's not... It's not. And her, So yeah. her thing is leave him with Kevin. Yeah. Whereas Frank's thing is, well, you know, I've got an abusive, paedophilic, homosexual brother <laughs> who's a piss artist. Yeah. He seems ideal. Really? Yeah, and I mean, it, I know it's seventy-five. We, we you know, I, yeah, but even so, no, no, no. But I'm saying I, I could even even in seventy-five, we could we could do without the the kind of implicit linking of homosexuality. Oh, gotcha, that's we? really like, uncomfortable now. It's not great, is it? Mm. But um, but it was very much in the air at the time, and it, I um, and then meaning the in the fifties, we have to remember this is set in the yes in the fifties, early sixties, even more so. It was very much the site, and I, you know, I I think is it? sorry, just sorry to to question you. I think so. I've assumed that it's. If, I assumed this was early seventies by if, this point. If well, let's let's work it out. If Tommy is, they marry Tommy's, in fifty one. Yeah, uh, got a feeling fifty one is going to be a good year. Yeah, so they're married in fifty one. So Tommy's six in fifty one. Yeah. And how old is he now? Well, I would I would put him at, at what early twenties here. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. So late sixties. Late sixties, early seventies. Yeah, it's around there, isn't it? So you know, a couple of years. Couple, yeah, it's it's basically contemporaneous. It's post summer love. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think we're safe to say. <laughs> I think everything Russell did was post summer love. Pretty much, fair. yeah. <laughs> yeah, again, massively disturbing imagery in this scene. Um, the the almost uniformed congregation. Yes, yeah. Um, is massively disturbing to me. And I've got to say, on a gut level, there is something really disturbing about putting uniforms on disabled people. If you've got, there any, really is. If you've got any understanding of history yeah. at all, you know that is a, a, a horrific thing to put. You know, on and screen. that's before you start talking about the fact that they're consuming what I'm, I'm assuming are blues. Yeah, they look and like whiskey. The, yeah, yeah, blueies and Johnny Walker, absolutely. Um, as the host. Oh. I love that about Russell. Like, it just turns it up to 11. You know, it's yeah. like there's absolutely no fucking about it. It's like, no, no, no the comedian's going to be Johnny, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Johnny yeah. Walker on amphetamines yeah. with with crazy Arthur Brown delivering the sermon. It really is, like, isn't he? <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> this is one of the things that I was thinking about Entwistle. Right. The bass line through this track. Oh, yeah. Punctuated by the, the kind of flashing the star of Marilyn in their faces. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Without that bass line, this track... I don't want to say this track is nothing, but it's nowhere near as powerful. Oh, it falls apart. It completely yeah. falls apart. And it, it, it's the anchor as well, because it's letting Clapton do all the stuff he's doing now, where he's really going for it. He's having a he's having a play, and he can cut loose that far, because, you know, Entwistle is the, is the anchor. There oh. we go. <laughs> There's the scene. Worship, worshipping at the crack of the goddess. That's it. There it is. Shocking, really. <laughs> Even for Russell. I mean, that's just... <laughs> Oh, dear, Unbelievable, dear isn't it? Me. And they did, yeah. And you get it twice, just in case you missed it. Yeah, no, just just in out. case you missed that mirrored floor. <laughs> oh, and again, oh, there again, we are. Look, third time's the charm. I don't know if you've noticed, but we're looking at Marilyn's skirt. <laughs> Goodness me! Why? Yeah, look at this. And then, and now we get to this. Now I don't know whether this is the extras or whether it was they were given direction to do this, but they don't give a toss. They just no. kind of strike the skirt, slap it on somebody's head, walk away. Yeah. Um... And these, they, they got the people from a local, uh, there was a local uh, hospital for people with disabilities nearby, right. and that's where the, the cast came from. And they got, I know he did a, Russell did a screening for them before the film came out, you know, went back to the hospital to visit them. That guy, screening. that's the one, sorry, the guy in the double denim. Yeah. That's it, touch the skirt, twat him on the side of the head, move yeah. on. Yeah, it's, yeah, 
it's weird. Maybe that's maybe I'm reading rather too much into this. No, no, no. I, I, you know what? It is one of those that is one of those images that I remember carrying with me as a kid. This too, this woman, and I don't know why, but just those images were very, very strong with me and very, uh, yeah, powerfully disturbing. Yeah. When I grew up with disabled people around disabled right. people my little sister was disabled right so i grew up around kind of disabled kids a lot okay um which i suppose makes me more sensitive to it if nothing sure. else sure he's not having it is he no he's he is not, not having it. i don't want to look up there oh, oh my goodness tommy what have you done look you've knocked her face off fella. Oh, that is fucked. and from one to the other here we go from one guy this to... is the scene i was referring to this Right. I think is one of the most terrifying characters I saw as a child. Yeah. The Acid Queen. Amen. Amen, brother. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, Uncle Ernie is wrong yes. in so many ways, and we'll get to that in about yeah. three and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah, no, she's something. She else. is just. Just really disturbed me. And what the fuck, Tina Turner, man? Oh, no. I mean, like, because, you know, we're both sort of, you know, we sort of grew up in the 80s, didn't we? So mm. for us, Tina Turner was, like, simply the best. She's simply the best, yes, just, absolutely. Just pure pop, right? Not even, like, a, not even necessarily, like, the soul bar no, and stuff. No, it's pure chart-bothering stuff, yeah. you know. And then you see this, and you're like, where did that come from? Oh, there he is, look. There he is. First shot of the man himself. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you lucky people. <laughs> He is so creepy, man. Even, even, even just sitting there. Just sitting there behind the he's booth. He's clearly... Ro- Look at that shot no. of his face. No. So wrong. Look at this. Reed knows at this yeah. point. Frank knows that he's after Tommy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not... I mean, it's it's plausible deniability, isn't it? God, that fucking it is. performance. Oh, That's no. the other thing, isn't it? I mean, the physical performance on screen is great, but the vocal performance mm. from her in this... It's spectacular. It really is spectacular. Yeah. Just she goes from snarl to scream with the whole range, and it's a. I mean, this is it's pedal to the metal too, isn't it? This oh yeah. Is not like there is, there's no holding back here. God. Have to. I mean, Townsend must. Have, I can't imagine what it must have been like to be because you know they recorded all the audio first. Sure. All the stuff. What it must have been to be in that studio. You know, you're Pete Townsend. You're in that studio. You're re-recording Tommy, mm. and. Fucking Tina Turner comes in and sings this at you, you know, sings your song, Acid yeah. Queen, like this. It must have just been, I mean, what a thrill, man. That must have been such a buzz. Oh, poor With, Russian, look at Tommy. Oh, no. He's just absolutely terrified. I, I, you know, I put myself into the position of this kid here. Yep. You know. Yep. No, it's... Uh, that's the key line for me in this song, and I'll tell you for why. Because we're going to see the, the sarcophagus in a minute. I just made the connection. There I'm we not, go. I'm not going to say You're it with for me, you. aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. going to leave it to you, though, because you got there first. That's Yeah, yeah, got you. Yeah. And that brick wall, look at that. Yeah. The attic. <laughs> Holy shit, man. How did I not see that? So, in the book, you, you make a throwaway comment about Uncle Frank yeah. possibly being referenced in Hellraiser later. Yeah. Well, this, <laughs> this chrome sarcophagus... Yeah. That she's going to be in in a second. Yeah, the way that it's posed, yeah. I mean, it, to me, I can't not see it now. Yeah, yeah. It is exactly the same pose as, as everybody's favourite hell priest. Yeah, it is. It's Pinhead. Absolutely. Um, with, you know, with the iconography of all the stabbings. Yeah. The, you know, the, the needles rather than pins, but. Yeah, yeah. But it's there. But that, this pose. Yeah. But also the fact that it's the attic and it's the. And brick, it's up in the attic. The brick wall in the attic. And then and the. the you know, the defining point for me is that she will tear your soul apart. It yeah. says it in the in the very lyrics. Yeah, yeah. 
So, like... so yeah, the Acid Queen is a Cenobite. I'm calling it now. <laughs> there you go. That's it. She's the proto-Cenobite. George Lee, if you're listening to this, man, we have a conversation now to have about the Acid Queen. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's my go-to uh, Barker guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Similarly, Paul Kane, if you're listening to this. <laughs> I, I imagine you might have a view. Oh, right, yeah. Sherlock Paul, Holmes and the... Paul's a big, the... big Barker guy. Right, a big he Hellraiser the, guy. He did the, the Sherlock Holmes Cenobite story, He right? did, but he also wrote the book on the Hellraiser films. Hellraiser oh, okay. Legacy. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So, yeah, he literally wrote the book on this subject. Nice, nice. So there's a conversation. There, absolutely, wow. Yeah, that's very... Yeah, this, this whole sequence, for me, is the most disturbing part of the film. Yeah. Um, I I have a problem with drugs. Okay. I don't know why that is, but I I have an issue with, I suppose, loss of self control and the like. Sure, sure. Yeah. And loss of awareness and loss of reality. Yeah. So so this is just hateful for me. Right. This is this is like, and it's about the most in that context. Then this is probably about the most evil thing you can imagine. Yeah, pretty much. Someone yeah. who's already not got control of their faculty. Someone who's already at the mercy of the world, and then. Injecting them with hallucinogens. That's it. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so, so yeah, this is this is the sequence, and it is down to Tina. Yeah. As much as it's anything, if not more than anything else. Yeah. No. Absolutely. She makes this whole thing. There's work. the lips. Look that's at that. The, the wobbling shot. lips. That's the bit that really got me. I don't know why, but that's the bit that really hit home. But also swallowing the, th- you know, swallowing the sarcophagus, right? Just that whole thing. Like you, you have been consumed now. You are inside the acid queen. Good mm. luck. And uh, yeah, visions of his father. So good. and the cross, you know what yeah. I love about that crossfade. Even even as a kid, I understood that meant he was hallucinating. I understood yeah. that he was seeing himself as his father. Yeah, it's clear enough, isn't it? Yeah, you don't get the well. I say you don't. I didn't get the Christ analogy at the point at the time. No. Um, but you do, even as a child, you see that this is not happening. On his, you know, it's, yeah, it's all in his head and driven by his own desires. Even if he doesn't really. Understand those desires. Of, I love it. This is seeing his father. Again. This is none more seventies, man. This is the ultimate. <laughs> it's pure disco. That keyboard. The again, the bass. The bass on this is amazing. Mm. And just that image of that thing flashing to. I mean, this is nauseating to watch. Yeah, genuine. And that's that's a deliberate effect. I mean, something I think the critics miss about Russell. Like, yeah, sometimes it was aggressive. Sometimes it was nauseating. He wanted you to feel ill. He was trying to elicit that response. Absolutely. You, and it, that's why he did it that way. Well, that's, it, that's the closest you can get as a viewer right. to experiencing what Tommy's going through with, with hallucinations and yeah. the oral difficulties. And, and randomly, Anne Margaret's here. Anne Margaret's screaming. Of course she is. Why wouldn't she be? Yeah. That uh, that crown of thorns with poppies, though, man. Mm. That's just Jesus. It's like I mean, you could write a book about that image on a bad day. Like, yes, yeah. so much going on. I there. would say so. I much mean, you the, could unpack. There. It is on the cover of the book for good reason. Oh god! I, you know, it was so funny. He did that as a mock up, and I was like, "That's it. You have done it." Yeah. Now that's interesting. The snakes, and we just got a glimpse of Frank mm. as which is, and of course the giant, the great big snake <laughs> in the great pelvis big area, boa constrictor hanging out the pelvis. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Ken. Yeah, just in case you've missed that, S- subtle to the last. Yes. you know, <laughs> Christ Almighty. <laughs> right now, here we are. See, Frank realizes he might have gone a step too far yeah. this time. That again, though, that's the banality of it, isn't it? Like guys like that, they always do. They always mm. take it too far, and then it's that you know, part of the sweaty nervousness of them is is how they can kind of get out of the mess they've made. You know, they can cover up what they've done. And this, 
Oh, and he's down. Genius. But the camera position in there, I don't know how they blocked that, but that just it's so perfect. It to is. Get his head like beautiful. That close. And that that sheen of sweat on him as well. God. Oh, this is. Yeah, yeah the sweat, the sweatiest dream in cinema. And listen to the bass run in the second as well. This bit's amazing. Oh, God. Fantastic. Here we are. That's it. That's the nightmare feel right there, boys and girls. Yep, yeah. One scene never forgotten. <laughs> and I love the way, even as he's being dragged out, she's she's bidding for another night. Yeah, she's yeah. Like, We've nearly got it sorted, you know. Bit more, just a bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God. I wonder, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to. It's one of the things I didn't get a chance to do is find out. I'd love to know what she thought. I really hope she had a good time doing this. Right? Well, yeah, it's, a, it's such a great performance. It's a fantastic performance, vocal, both vocally and and yeah, in, as a, as an actor. Absolutely. And then just the perfect end look. By the way, that's pretty much the only time in the movie the music stops for any period. Yeah, of time. that's you know you say just that just for the just for the clacking of the nails on the syringe, which is uh, yeah. So that's it. We've tried two different things now to get him out of himself. Bollocks to it. That's enough, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no one can say we didn't make an effort. I think I want to go out really in my was that three different types of leopard skin she's wearing there. <laughs> Sometimes two different types just isn't enough. No, absolutely. Go for that yeah. third print to really set the ensemble. It is three different ones as well, Christ. The hat, the scarf and the gloves. Look at that. Shocking. The epitome of taste. and <laughs> It's beautiful, isn't it? 1971 or whatever. Yeah, good Lord. And it's this look. He's not even listening to no. the question as he answers. Does not right. give a toss. No. I'm just laughing. Whatever, I found something funny in the paper about That's a penguin something. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's the, the cartoon on page seven. The sun's really good today. <laughs> Doesn't give a shit. Oh, and here we go. So here's Paul Nicholas. Paul oh, Nicholas, Paul Nichols. Paul Nichols. Paul Nichols. I believe, yeah. Now, if I remember rightly, he was, by the time I came to this film in the late 80s, he was best known for um, sitcoms by that yep, point. absolutely, yeah. And that's how I knew him. Super cuddly. Yep. Sitcoms. Lovable. Yeah. Light, <laughs> light-hearted. <laughs> Definitely not a torturous freak definitely not a psychopath Jesus that shot there from Russell look at that completely yep. off kilter all over the place disorienting welcome to your nightmare he really is isn't he he's God almighty and again you know, put yourself in the position of this vulnerable kid oh. I keep saying kid you know 20 something yeah, or whatever yeah. put yourself in that position and You've got nothing, no idea what's going on around you. No. Look at that. <laughs> You'd yeah, be grateful you couldn't see, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's true. There are benefits. But, uh, oh, dearie me. And that squeal of guitar in the background with yeah. times beautifully with his, his, with his movements screen. there. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely super. But this is brutal. As you say, you know, he's all in the leathers. Yep. He's um, clearly... He's, he, yeah, he's, he's the, the enemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a rocker. He's a biker. He's one, yeah. of, one of the bad guys. He's got. That, I believe he's got a swastika on his back of his jacket, hasn't he? Does indeed. Yeah. In case it wasn't clear on enough, the back he's of a bad his guy. Denims. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, oh that, yeah, the, the denim leather double bill <laughs> yeah. never went out of fashion. No. 
And this one again, I was convinced I'd actually seen him fall down the stairs. That's how that, yeah, brilliant the suggestion absolutely. is. Absolutely. It's absolutely superb. This was, I got as like, I know it's in the book, but I have to reiterate, this was Roger Daltrey's first two days on set, <laughs> was this. like? So, Roger, you're going to make a feature film? Yeah, looking forward to it. I'm the well, lead, it's Ken Russell. Tell, what we're, tell you what we're going to do. Yeah. We going to fuck you up, boy. And that's Ken on the other end of the hose. Is it? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Couldn't resist, I don't think. No, I suppose if you're going to do it. <laughs> Don't see why anybody else should have the fun. What a bastard, man. That's so... Oh, my God. Paul Nichols shooting his load all over his adultery there. <laughs> there it is. What a sports never looked quite so extreme. I might be reading a little bit more into this than there is, but, you know. <laughs> Only a little. It's pretty brutal, man. But this, again, disturbed me. I mean, it's almost played for comedy there. Yeah, but it is. But the it's... concept of being ironed yeah. bothers me. Yeah, no, it's not good. But it's just, for me with that, it's the casual cruelty of it, isn't it? It's just that thing about like, oh, well, you know, all I need to do is get the clothes dry. If he's wearing them, it doesn't matter. Yeah, absolutely. And I love this gag. <laughs> brought, the, brought you a cricket bat, love. Look at his face. <laughs> brought you a football. Brought you a football, my do- football. blind, yeah. deaf and dumb son. Here's something for you. Jeez. And we get the, so we're going to have the... Yellow figure to join the red. Oh, oh now. Shit. Good morning, converts. You know what? It's enough to put you off Newcastle, Brown. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And there's uh, there's not much that can make me say that, but this that is so that's it's just fucking gross. Uh, it just makes me feel ill just looking at it's it. Not good, really, man. not good. He's got that tremble too. He's yeah. got the he's got the next day drink shakes. You know that 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 alcoholic. You know, first pint of the day. Because that's the thing about the, the egg in the pint, isn't it? It is a hangover cure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the fact that he's actually got the shakes as he does that, that is... Uh, see, I don't think Mooney gets enough credit. No, he doesn't, absolutely. I think it's actually a really, really fucking good performance in this film. See, this from Anne Margaret, obviously Frank now is just going, well, he's my brother, it'd be fine. I mean, he'll, he'll probably bugger him, but it'd be all right. Yeah. And Zan Margaret, she's losing interest at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. You know, she says, he's had a few too many. That's the worst thing she can think to say about him. Right. He's been drinking. Oh. I, I think there's a lot more you can say about Uncle Ernie <laughs> yeah. than he's had a couple of drinks. Yeah. Those fucking gloves, man. Yeah. Now, how old are you when you first saw this scene? Seven. How old were you when you first saw the end of this scene? Uh. 29 wow something like that 27 maybe yeah late late 20s could not get past this motherfucker couldn't get past the gloves actually fairly precisely the most interesting bits I think of of this film yeah which is when his very only very brief but his flashbacks yeah how much does he actually remember yeah, and yeah, as as you know from the book, that's something that I spend Mm. entirely too many words trying to no, not at all. I think it's, it's it's, it's very interesting. It colours the last quarter of the film. Yeah. And it is a core mystery that I don't think the film actually answers no. either way. Um, you know, obviously these are these are portrayed as memories of his to a certain extent. But then on the other hand, he seems to remember his own birth. So Yeah, so know, they almost can't. I'm not sure about that so much. Father? It's father, yeah. And again, that doesn't go anywhere. That doesn't come back. There's no, no there's no further reference to that. Even though you, you know, one might have thought there would be. It's 
does he know? Does he remember and just put it aside? Or has he just had that kind of flash and and it's gone again? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 as you know, I think I lean more towards that interpretation. I feel that like it's more like, you know, I think he's maybe left with a kaleidoscope of impressions rather than yeah. an actual memory. And that, that, that fits with the notion that Tommy is a kind of authorial insert for Townsend. Mm-hmm. Because Townsend's own history with child abuse, he's, he's very... He talks about this in the autobiography, but he's very convinced that something happened at some point in his childhood, but he doesn't have a concrete memory of it. Yeah, and uh, I mean, he's you know, I'm I'm not a child psychologist or an expert on the subject. He, I I found what he had to say on the subject in the autobiography fairly convincing. I think he probably did. I think something probably did happen to him, um, and it's not an uncommon experience. Certainly. Sadly, like, not. No, it's know, far it's, more common. I think than I mean, you know, well, than anybody was, ever realised. Yeah. Yeah, and then he was really wanted to acknowledge or think about. But anyway, so, um, and of course, then it then it does make sense because, like you know, if Townsend's got this burden of this thing that he can't really remember, then it would make sense that Tommy has it as well. And it, yeah, in that sense, then what the flashbacks are there are just that that ghost of the memory, if you like that. They that, are just flashes of yeah, experience, just kind of emote, which leave with an emotional impression without any real kind of insight. Um, well, I suppose. I mean, uh, the flashbacks that occur in the film before but in in his life were, were after the uh the death of his father yeah that that would be the first time he's experiencing those things right of course so he he may yeah. well have no frame of reference to that yeah that's another good point isn't it because it'll be because obviously he was, he was deaf dumb and blind in the moment mm. and then of course there's a thing i like but if the if the deaf dumb blindness is psychosomatic then was he seeing on some level was he hearing on some level is it all yeah is it all still in there somewhere right in which, which a, in which case, you know, that as again as you mentioned about that makes you wonder why he employs Frank and Ernie. Yeah. And I love this, we immediately cut to Frank uh working out the merchandise. Yeah. I love that. It's there's no you are not given a second to breathe. Tommy declares his spiritual path and then suddenly bam, we've got cameras, yeah. he's an icon, we've got T shirts. You know, like it's all fucking happening. It is, and it's 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 not even just a declaration. You're directly from the the baptism. That's of right, mother. Yeah, that's the quick cut, isn't it? Straight into straight, how can we make money out of this strange development? Sell out, yeah. Straight into the the monetization, and that's great too because that's like I love. I mean, Russell's relationship with uh, with his own Catholicism is one of my kind of favorite things about what I know about the man. I love the fact he was an adult convert to Catholicism who was so angry about religion like it's such a great i find that such a yeah. fascinating thing like he really did you know he had such a, a fury about what he considered to be like false religion and and you know profiting off religion all that kind of stuff the idea that you know the material really would get in the way of the spiritual and yet he was as i say an adult convert to catholicism he was he had a very sincere belief and faith um, actually the commentary track on this is good for that because it's him and Mark yeah. Commode who's similar I don't know if Commode's Catholic but he's certainly Christian it's interesting because I think they had very similar views on that you know because Commode has I think a very similar position about it um, and I have a lot of respect for that I really do I have a lot of respect for that kind of angry spirituality sure I've got a lot I, of time for that. I have a fascination with, with organised religion right um, from the point of view of a, of a a, a rabid atheist, which right. is what I am. Fair enough. Um, I, I'm fascinated by the concept of organised religion. Yeah. And also disgusted by the concept of organised religion a lot of the time. Yeah. 
I'm, think, I'm fascinated by the theoretical concepts of it. I'm I'm disgusted by the practical. Yeah, I think that's yeah, that's what I, yeah, I agree. I think it's 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 often the practice or the execution, where sometimes literally the execution, where it can all kind Indeed. of go horribly wrong. But yeah, but this is such a like, and of course as well though, what's nice is we've got religion, but we've also got rock and roll, which at this point arguably is the new religion. Right? Yes, absolutely. So and it's so we've also got Townsend's kind of queasiness with his own status, his own cult of, you know... That's it. Yes, I've become, you know... The Messiah to an yeah, extent. I've become one of the new gods and it's all a bit weird. I just realised we completely failed to talk about Sally in any sense whatsoever. We are, This is yeah. the one sequence in the film that I don't like. Oh, interesting. Not, I don't like Sally Simpson. So is that... You mean you don't enjoy it or you... you it doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't feel right to you. So what's that about? What, it, it doesn't work for you as a bit of... Cinema. I think Sally's too young Okay. for a start. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the the girl there is, is what, 11, maybe? Yeah, she's, yeah it's, it, I mean, it's Russell's daughter, and I think yeah, she's 11 or 12, right. yeah, something like that. Um, and I understand that it kind of works from a vulnerable perspective, but I think it would have worked just as well from a vulnerable perspective if she was 17, so... Right. And it would have been... I don't want to say more believable because let's be honest, believability is not really a consideration <laughs> in this piece of film, is it? But no. But um, I, I think it would have worked better for me had she been like a teenager, a teenager or a later yeah. teenager. Yeah, Although yeah. this moment coming up right at this, oh god, evil bastard! Yeah, and then a little grin. Oh, yeah, back to my yeah, dancing. Yeah. Such Awful a prick. Such a prick. Yeah. But, yeah I don't know. It's just maybe it's just me. I just think. It it just seems a little bit incongruous. You've got an eleven year old girl. Obviously, you've got you know the the Beatlemania and the, and the Bay City Rollers. Yeah. To come back to that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's entirely appropriate for girls of that age to be fascinated. Sure. Um, I don't know so, what it is. It's just so brutal, though, isn't it? It is. So, like, you know, the fact that she ends up getting married and she's still like whatever, eleven or twelve years old. That's a, that's, that's this just is, a bit queasy. This isn't bit it? here is a bit that really bothers me. Yeah, it's not right. It's just not right. It's not right. They're obviously far too young. Why the fuck is he Frankenstein's monster in a cowboy hat? Because uh, Ken Russell was really pissed off with America at this point. Right. So the line is, he got married. she got married to a rock and roll singer that came from California. And that's in the original lyrics. Yes. So he decided to make him a Frankenstein as a kind of comment about American rock being a Frankenstein's monster. A I see. A of British rock. But really what he's pissed off about is the fact that the Americans just fucked up his cut of, what was it, the, was it the boyfriend or... Right, whatever movie it was that he just done before before Marla and it, the, well, he, the Devils as well they fucked up, but they, they really the studio, the American studio fucked up the cut of one of his previous movies. And he was really cross with America, so any chance to sort of that's why, yeah. So he was just like, well, right. fuck you, I'm going to make him just, Frankenstein. The other thing I suppose is out of the entire album and the entire film, this is the one song that's not a not about the storyline. It's not about Tommy. It's nothing to do with. Tommy or his mother or Frank. No, it's and it, it's also like a complete standalone narrative, isn't it? it? Is. It's its own thing, and it's weird too. I mean, like because you know it came from uh, Townsend seeing a girl get hurt at a Doors concert, I think. And, right. And that it really like you know she got she got really hurt by the security, and it really fucked him up. You know, it's because it's Townsend. You you know you had that kind of reaction to mm-hmm. it. Um, and yeah, it does feel like a. It's almost like a scene from a different movie. It does. I, I was like, it's always felt a little bit out of place to me. Yeah. But yeah, I could see that. You know, it's. 
of all the quibbles you could have with a film, it's fairly minor, I think. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it is. I guess it is telling. It is. It is a way to tell the story of the way that Tommy's becoming a cult, and it's all kind of you know. But there's other ways you could have done that movie. Yeah, I mean, I've got obviously I've got no problem with the the concept of of that. Yeah. I mean. And particularly in the seventies, you got like Altamont and what have you, and yeah, yeah, you know these things happening at gigs right. were not commonplace, but not uncommon either. No, it was part of the well, and it was certainly was part of the souring of the kind of hippie dream, wasn't it? It was a feeling of like, now this was a real biker gang. That does not surprise that, me. That Ken, I have knew. to say, yeah, it does I don't not know, surprise I don't me. know how Ken knew a real biker gang, but he did, and they they. Apparently, they really did beat the shit out of each other. For right. <laughs> like, it got pretty It's insane. quite interesting, though. This, this is rocker on rocker violence. Yeah, this is. This is, yeah, this is this gang is, versus is gang. Bad guys it? versus bad guys in, in, the, <laughs> From the, in, in the Who bibli- yeah, bibliography. Yeah. You know. Absolutely, yeah. In the, in the Who canon, absolutely. This is, a, this is what they call a win win situation, mm. really. Absolutely. The more rockers that take themselves out. Yeah. But the the yeah. more moped space there is for the rest of us. But yeah, this is apparently, this is, this is a real biker gang, and they really did. Beat the shit out of each other. Well, it, I mean, it does I'm look not... pretty vicious, it anyway, does doesn't look it? Pretty rough, yeah. It looks like they're going for it. And again, that doesn't surprise me from Russell. No, no. My only question is, like, I do. It, it's slightly annoying because I think that was. I think I got that from his autobiography, and it is slightly annoying to me. Oh, there's a shot I stole. The reflection, <laughs> the reflection of that. I love that. The reflection of the hand grinder in the sunglasses. Um, yeah, it does slightly annoy me that he doesn't tell you. He just casually drops in the fact that he knew this biker gang. It's like, how? When? I need details. I don't, like... I don't, I don't want to tell you what to think, but I don't think you do want to know. <laughs> really, do you? I do. Do you want to probe deeper into Ken's life than you already have? <laughs> I want to know how Ken Russell in 1974 knew he could pick up the phone to a biker gang and get them to come down and film a fight scene. Oh, and then do this. And then <laughs> yeah. dance like fucking idiots. Well, oh. Roger Daltrey hang glides over. Yes, I, I have think... questions. <laughs> you Steve, might well have, I have questions. questions. I don't think that's a door you want to open. I don't think you want to see where it leads. <laughs> Did one of them have a fucking swastika armband on? My God. Is that basically Roller's Dance as well that they're doing? I, it looks very much like one, yeah. Dear know. listeners, I know nothing of the Bay City Rollers. <laughs> as any of you out there who do know about the band will probably know by yeah, now. We've, we've almost certainly given ourselves away on that yeah, subject. Already, I've got no we? clue. I know that they were popular. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> Bobble hats and scarves. But <laughs> here we are back to the teddy boys again. There they are. With their, uh, that was some ferocious sideburns. Like yeah, that, look at that. It's beautiful. Probably, proper probably, mutton chops. Apparently taking over his face. There. Yeah, what's that? What's going on outside, Terry? What's that? What's that racket? <laughs> Because, of course, he would be hang gliding over. Yeah, of course he would. Why That's would... the best way to spread your message. I think, like... As the new messiah. He had, like, a day and a half hang glider training before he shot all this as well. It's absolutely... And he is, it is him on a hang glider. It is no genuinely him, on. isn't it? Yeah. No shirt, no shoes. Like, what the fuck? But I guess, you know, you're only young once, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to begrudge it to him, you know. No, or begrudge him it, I should say. I mean, I, I am because I'm a very bitter man. But well, that's fair enough. <laughs> but in fairness, I never looked that good either. So to be honest, if I'm going to be pissed off at anything that who did, I'm going to be pissed off that uh, that Phil Daniels got to snog Leslie Ash in Quadrophenia. <laughs> that bothers me more than the hand gliding. That's fair. There's a whole other story in that. Now this one is interesting. Though. This is the one stunt that I couldn't get agreement on. Uh, right. Because Russell claimed that that Daltrey did do this. Daltrey says he didn't. I, I'm inclined to believe Daltrey. I'm inclined to believe that Russell was mythologising on Roger's behalf. But I can't imagine they let him do that. 
No, I can't imagine that they were. And, and to be honest with you, I think if he had done it himself, they would have made, made it, it clear. clear. shot, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. That looks to me a bit... But, I, you know, I love the fact that you can't be 100%. Though. Yeah. I do look at that and well, maybe. Still no shoes. Still no shoes. And this is him sitting yeah, on, the on the roof of the house. Yeah. Just casually. What are we doing today, Ken? Well... <laughs> You're not getting a fire hose. Like, no, no, no. We finished with the fire hose. We've done the fire hose. And, and no more spiral staircase. Here's, all right, yeah. But we are going to pop you on the roof of a house. Is that all right? <laughs> to be honest with you, Ken, at this stage, that's a, that's a blessing. This is one of the easier days. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. You just got to sit there. Okay, I can do that. Yeah, fair enough. Do your best laughing name impression. <laughs> And again, there's, as you mentioned earlier, the return of the uh, slightly disturbing Nazi uniform. Yep. Here Nazi we are in S. green now. What's with her Margaret's face here? She's. Oh, well, it's the deliberate lack of materialism, right? You're not allowed to wear makeup, so it's all been. Because uh, he pulls off the false nails, doesn't he? So. Yeah, he does, but her face to me they, there. Look... They've crept back in again, the false nails. The false, false nails are back, now you mention that, yeah. <laughs> her face there looks very, very grey. Yeah, very pale. I think that's yeah. I think it's meant to be. It's meant to be giving the impression of yeah. why not wearing any. Or maybe she really isn't wearing any makeup. Maybe it's actually like because you look weird on camera if you don't wear makeup. I mean, like people do not look like. I look fantastic on camera without makeup. I'd hope you know. Well, you're you're very much the exception to the rule, Steve. On on yeah. that, as in so many other things. But, Indeed. Um, yeah. I jest, obviously. <laughs> I look terrible on camera and in real life, ladies and gentlemen. Neither of those things are true. Um. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely fine looking man. So this is look at see look at her face there. She yeah. does. She looks like she's got white powder on yeah, to me. Yeah, she looks super powder, doesn't she? In fact, she. Th- this is an awful thing to say, but I'm going to say it. She looks like a cancer victim with that headdress. Yeah, no, you're and right. The really does. white face. She looks ill. She does look. She looks properly ill. Yeah. And what, what are they, they drinking? Oh, she's, is that absinthe? Really? <laughs> They're drinking absinthe by the absinthe, half pint. Absinthe and milk, yeah. obviously, because that's that's a yeah. They go beautifully together, absinthe and milk. Do you know? Uh, Apparently so. Oh yeah. yeah, the drink of kings. Is it indeed? Yeah. Which which kings in particular with those? The ones that eat Rex beans. <laughs> there you go. Cake of sprouts there. Obviously. This is actually a what is that? Sprouts. Really green tomatoes, maybe some ice cream. This this is I'm not I'm not feeling Tommy's dietary requirements no. <laughs> for his cult, I've got to be honest. It's not for me. No, no, there's there's not nearly enough They roughage. are fond of the green though, aren't they? <laughs> yeah they are. In the background, they seem to be eating raw limes or something, though. I don't know what... I don't know. I Hello. love that. I've got an idea. Yeah. More houses. I can do that, son. We can sort you out. <laughs> so great. He is, he's a repulsive creature, Frank. He really is. He really is. He's just horrible. I mean, you know, clearly a, clearly a, a product of his generation and, and, and circumstance or what have you. But yeah, no, not not a good person. It's, you not know, a it's... person to be around. It's one of the one of the things that comes out to me with repeated watchings of this film is that the Acid Queen and Ernie mm. are obviously their caricature evil. Yeah, but Russell's that's a Russell uh, Reed is the real evil in this film. Absolutely, He's, he colours everything with his influence. Yeah, well, and look, though the other two you mentioned, they only come into the movie in the first place because of Frank. He's yeah, well, the one that's who true. Pulls yeah. them into the narrative. He's the you know he's the planet he's the around. gateway to the real. Yeah. Yeah, the the distilled evil, if you will. Yeah. 
But he's he's so much worse. He's the insidious evil yeah. that's always with you. Well, and he's worse because he's conscious. I mean, you could argue with like I mean, I don't. God, this is not a debate I want to get into. But you could argue with Ernie that he's not entirely in control of his impulses, and I'm not making any. No, any there's, there's an argument that. to be made there, and but, I you think know, that's where we'll leave it. You could make that kind of. But with like, like Frank knows exactly what the fuck he's doing. It's manipulation, isn't it? Every step of yeah. the way, um, it's very cynical. Um, it's always what can Frank get? Yes, yeah, what's good for Frank? What's he going to get out of it? Yes, yeah, so a Tommy Camp in the heart of, I think that's Marley, he's just jammed that into. That'll go down a tree. <laughs> yeah, that's it's a really good. What Marley needs right now yeah. is an insurgent religion. Yes, to really, the, uh, the costs a lot. A, a new, yeah, a new evangelical religion that costs a fortune. Love this scene. This is fucked up. You can tell as well, Moon was having the time of Absolutely. his life. I love that Look organ; at that it's spectacular. Thing, that's the ugliest shade of green you'll ever see. In it your is, life. but it's still glorious. Yeah, it is. It is both glorious and hideous. And that, yeah, that fucking organ, Jesus Christ! Good morning, converts. You know what I love is love when, they, when they do it at, live at Leeds and you can hear them trying to shout over him as he goes, Good morning, wankers! <laughs> <laughs> and they completely fail to mask him saying it. <laughs> There's no drain out, Mooney. No, no, there is no. No matter what. Look, he's, this is the best day of his life, isn't it? Yeah, Look absolutely. Him. How happy and, uh, is he? Yeah, pretending to play with his fucking feet, <laughs> conducting that shitty... Ingr- Look at him. Also, I, I'm, I'm assuming that his teeth generally were fine. Because when you see Ernie earlier on, he's got blacked out teeth. Yeah. I've only just noticed there's a glint of a gold tooth in that scene. Yeah, no, it's... it's he's it, had that replaced. The other thing, that, that missing tooth replaced by a gold one. Yeah, yeah, right. It's a nice little a nice little hint, isn't it? That yeah. Times, times have improved. Even Ernie's getting it. something out of this. Yeah, dear old Ernie, he's doing all right these days. I mean... Buy your way to heaven that comes to one place. Seven. Fuck's sake. Yeah. So great. I mean, that imagery in its own is quite disturbing. The the uh, polystyrene heads with the corks. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's really fucked up. Because again, it's just the kind of, it's the impersonal nature of it, isn't it? It's the kind of, it's the thing where it's just, they're all becoming cogs. They're all yeah. becoming... Uh, to steal an analogy from a different film, bricks in a wall. There, I absolutely. Say. Yeah. But it is all that. Yeah, it's that thing, isn't it? And it's <laughs> you can you can read his little fuck yeah. me three quid. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. But it's also that thing. Of, like they need it, right? They need to be part of it. They're so desperate. That's to be it. Getting it. Yeah, it's like still going to shout out the cash. I mean, you will see that face every single year at the front of the queue for t-shirts at download. I mean, you because re- they all you always get there and you're like, really twenty quid. Yep. 20 fucking quid this year, is it? 20 quid for a fucking t-shirt. Fuck me. And then you buy it because you want the t-shirt. I mean, I'm a little bit out of practice at festivals. I haven't been for a long time. Right. But I was exactly the same. Really? Yeah. How fucking much? I'm sure it's more than 20 at download now, isn't it? No, no, 20 quid. It depends depends on the t-shirt. Wow. 20 quid is standard. Yeah, 25 for the like limited or the one with the print on the sleeve or some shit. I used to charge 20 quid when I used to make t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's. Uh. It's not even all there. <laughs> I'm sure I was paying for like a, a an, an official festival shirt. That the only one I ever bought was at Phoenix in '96, a right. short-lived indie festival. Right, I remember Phoenix, and that cost me about eighteen quid, I think. Yeah, it's it just and it was a horrible shirt as well. It was <laughs> it was it was awful. It was white and it was like velour. That's not that's not a good look. And I I, I bought that on the on the Monday. Right. Monday afternoon, 
because I've been looking for one of the bootleg guys all weekend and never found one. <laughs> and eventually I'm like, oh, I can't go home with nothing. So I no, spent right. my last 18 quid on this god-awful velour polo shirt. God, it's so bad, isn't it? Five minutes later, the fucker came around. Oh, God. Literally five minutes. It's so, You know, the worst part of it is, like, I always like I always say I'm not going to get one this time, but I always regret the time I don't. I still have... Oh, I, of course you do, yeah. I always think about the ones I don't get. And I, I mean, my, one of my favourite ones is a bootleg, which I got at the... I bought the official Profits of Rage one from the Brixton gig, and then some guy out front was doing a boot... At the end of the show, was doing bootlegs for a fiver, and it actually had Brixton Academy and the date on it. Right, I was well, like, I'm fucking having I'm having that, that yeah. I don't care, because I was there, and it was amazing. And yeah, the like, one I loved the most was my Glastonbury night. 94 bootleg nice nice it was really nice Jesus now hang on 94 was that was that was that Pulp was that the year the Stone Roses dropped out and Pulp no did it? that was 95 that was five, right, right. 94 was uh, Leveller's headline of Friday night of course the oh 60,000 people yes gig. yes yes the Leveller's Leveller's were on Friday uh, that's had, coming out they're doing a DVD release it was on YouTube last week it was week. on YouTube last week last mm, week. I watched it made yeah. me feel quite old <laughs> made you feel aged it really did 25 Fucking years ago hell um, and then Saturday night I saw Blur nice that was just pre-park life so just, just before they disappeared up their own arse yeah yeah right seconds before Se- literally seconds before <laughs> I saw Oasis at 2 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon wonderful they were shit were they oh yeah. no oh that's disappointing well, I have this. I have this fantasy that Oasis were really good when they were a pub band, and they just should never have been in a stadium. But oh, I'm sure that countless thousands of people disagree from with me. I've never been a fan, and <laughs> oh, fair I think they were terrible. No, I think I um, think I think they were a sweaty pub band that should never have been on a. They should never have been in a venue that had a capacity of over a thousand. Yeah, I think, I think that's probably been, true. I think they would have been great at that, but yeah. I, I, yeah, just, I, I expect my my memory is coloured slightly by the fact that I can't fucking stand them. <laughs> No. Well, you probably won't have enjoyed it, that being the not, case. Not much, no. My friend said, oh, I've heard about them. They're supposed to be quite good. I think, um, what was the first one? Shaker Maker had come out. Right, yeah. And he's like, oh, they're supposed to be quite good. I'm like, well, all right, then. we'll go and see them. Like, Great, they're another fucking guitar band. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> they certainly were a guitar band. Nick Cave on Saturday night. Nice. Um, yeah, it was a good year, 94. Portishead, I believe, played. Portishead, yeah, could well be. Um... And then Sunday, Johnny Cash. Fucking A, right. I had friends who went and they wouldn't shut up about fucking Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash in the legend slot. And it took me another 10 years to realise why they were banging on about Johnny. Because I was like, Johnny fucking Cash? Yeah, yeah. Tree, fuck absolutely. Off. And they, honestly, every single one of them that came back was banging on about fucking Ring of Fire and shit. And I was like, what? What? I'm, I, I, mean, I, I caught a bit of his set, but I wasn't a Johnny Cash fan. So I didn't right. stay for it. I didn't. Go yeah, out of my way. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember where I was going. Some little indie band, I imagine. Right. Uh, so I missed most of it, and now I really regret that. Yeah, fair. And then the whole thing was closed out on a Sunday night by Peter Gabriel. Fucking hell. Which I thought, well, I don't give a toss. But it's the last act. I should go. Yeah, Three yeah. hours without wow. stopping. That's awesome. And he was really good. Oh, good. Yeah. I always like it when the old boys bring it. I always like that. It always cheers me up. So Tommy seems to be happening in the background while we're yeah, talking you about know what? To be festivals honest, past. We're, we're talking past like one of the, as an adult, this is probably the most painful scene for me in all seriousness, seeing a series of vintage pinball machines yeah, that smashed is, up. It actually hurts my heart. It is very upsetting. It Although really I do is. I do kind of want to have giant pinballs in my back garden. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. Although, I would like a giant pinball climbing frame. Preferably not with an angry mob climbing over it as they come to kill me. But, Although I wouldn't mind our Margaret being there. Oh, stop, stop. No... Oh, oh. It oh just, no! It does hurt. It does hurt. There's no getting past it. It's uh, 
I think actually the worst shot is whilst we were still talking about Glastonbury was there's a shot where one of them jumps onto the machine and there's a record on it as well. <laughs> they're smashing yeah. not only the machine but also the vinyl. Also the vinyl, yeah, no, that just uh, they shouldn't do that. Oh, and there we go. And this is Frank got one in the kidneys. I suppose the only other criticism I might have is that this seems to come on very quickly. Right. It does. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, it's it, a bit of a rush to the finish. It is it? a little bit. And I think that's that's probably the constraints of the source material really like what you're going to do sure because you've, you've run out of songs but yeah it does it does come on very quick and what's weird for me is the way it's intermingled you've got the rebellion already starting while tommy's still preaching and it's a very odd kind of you know those two the, the juxtaposition of the two scenes with tommy kind of giving his sermon while the mob is is building is a bit it's a bit odd it feels it's, a bit it is curious it? yeah for some, for some reason the um the sudden appearance of sirens and they all start running off reminds me of the end of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's cute. Again, I'm, I'm sure Ken Russell would have loved that. Oh, yeah, comparison. absolutely. I don't know. What, I, I couldn't even begin to guess the sequence. When was, when was Holy Grail? I have to look it same up. Year, same year. Well, same year. Okay, so that's a lovely bit of zeitgeist mm. then. It's just <laughs> that was clearly British filmmakers in '75 had a thing about sirens yeah. and people running off at the end of the Cop- film. Coppers turning up. The to d- be fair, that's you know for certainly. I mean, the Python lot obviously were more middle class, but certainly for a working class filmmaker like Ken, that was probably about right. Well, Cop- sure. Yeah. Coppers turn up, run for the hills. Yeah. <laughs> and there it is. Look. God, that's again like you know. Subtlety can go fuck itself, but there is Anne Margaret bleeding out on a yeah. pinball table. I mean, it's all going on. You know, it's all there. And a moment ago, Oliver Reed lying with a crucifix on his chest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with the, yeah. We've not even talked about the crucifix with we the haven't. pinball head. No, the Tommy Cross, right. It's fantastic symbolism. Yeah. I love it. Brilliant. Absolutely love it. Brilliant bit of design. And again, that was a you know, bit of design work for the for the film, I think. I don't think that's in the original. I don't, I don't believe it was it was ever used no. prior to this. So I could be wrong. No, I think it is. I think that's a bit of design for the movie. It's be- oh, the vocal here. This is this is genuinely heart rending now. Yeah, it is. It's hard, and it's and you know even though they were both, you know, architects of his misery, they were you know they were at best deeply deeply flawed people. It's still the pain is real. You know, it yeah. still hurts. It hurts him. So this it hurts is us. It's, for me. It's the flip side of of Anne Margaret's pleading with him to yeah to speak to her. Yeah, is him essentially saying, I mean, joining their hands together there and flinging the crucifix away. It's I'd take it all back if I could. Yeah. Jesus, those flames are far too fucking close. Yeah. That is ridiculous. I mean, I know there's a bit of false perspective going on, but they No, they are. He's, he is still basically just running past flaming machinery. Yeah, it's like, keep moving, Roger. With, you won't with get, that hair. You won't get burned if you keep moving. That hair that I suspect had some product on it. Yeah. Yeah. And then we we can't all be as lucky as me and have ringlets naturally. <laughs> and that's actually the real... Burning of the pier, is it really? Yeah. That, that's genuinely. I think Ken was eventually forgiven for that. Formally <laughs> forgiven. For Which that. pier is that? I can't remember now. Terribly, unforgivably, I can't remember. I come to you for the facts. I don't. I know. I don't, I don't know why. I don't remember anything, man. I just remember it really burned down. Ken denied all responsibility, and twenty or thirty years later, the mayor formally pardoned him for it. That's those are the facts that I do right. know. See, we, we, look up we are town. we are this song. We are this song. I give you the opinions, you give me the story. <laughs> You've let me down at the, have, at the 11th hour there. I haven't actually given you the story there so much as a collection of 
random half facts. Well, that's missing the truth. It's largely how we work, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in real life, that's just how it goes. Pretty much, yeah. And I love this too, man. We're back in the Lake District, and and they're climbing the yep. the you know. And this is there's a story in this about how Roger was a bit nervous about doing the climb, and Ken was like, "Oh, I'll do it. I'll show you. It's safe. I'll do it." Because you know, he's got he, he was trained as a dancer. He has natural sure. like agility, so he just like just shows up. And then, yep. of course, as soon as he see as soon as Roger sees him do it, he's like, "Oh, I fucking, hell, I've got to do it now." <laughs> you know. I love that this this is the bit that Roger was worried about. Yeah, right. No, honestly, the climbing and yeah. The, I mean, no, no, was... I'm 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 fine with the hand gliding. That's no problem, Ken. <laughs> yeah. I don't really want to go up a waterfall, though. Well, it's not. It's a, it's a shot later on. Actually, it's not. I don't think it's this bit specifically. But there's a bit of climbing later, and you do look at it. and You think that looks like a job of work. Um, it does look a bit precarious. I think this is an appropriate point to say. Fair play to Roger Daltrey here. Fucking hell, yes, man. He's put this. so much work into it, and yes, that's him. I see your point. Right, that looks fucking scary. And I, I'm quite fond of the climb, but <laughs> I don't fancy mm. that at all. And you can see Ken just shitting up it, can't you? Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Like, a, piss. like a little goat. Like a bearded goat, <laughs> Ken Russell just runs up the side of this mountain. Ah, look, goat, yeah. I can do it. Yeah. And look at you compared to me, Roger. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're a young man. You could do it. Fuck, all right. Look at you with no shirt. You can make your way up there with no problem at all. <laughs> and there he is. There Finally, he is. he's at the zenith. But what does it cost him? Yeah. Here comes the sun, and it's the it is you know the the mirror of the other shot. Yeah. The sun going down. It's coming up now. It's dawn. Oh, Here he is, the hairy messiah. And there's the silhouette, and that was on Russell's coffin. That was the image he wanted. Was his it? Coffin. Yeah, he had that on his coffin when he was buried. I can see his point. It's a striking yeah. image. Oh, it's fucking fantastic. It gets me every time. Goosebumps. Don't know why, really. It's a very emotive track, and it's a very yeah, emotive it's... scene. It's very emotive climax. And there we go. He is, he's literally... Tommy has gone supernova. He has. And beyond that, it's unknowable. You know, what? what is it? That's it, yeah. Is it after that? That's, all, that's all I've got for you, boys and girls. <laughs> after that, you're going to make your own judgments. So that's it. That's our show. Thank you so much to Steve for agreeing to be my first guest and to turning up in person to watch Tommy with me. That was... Uh, a real thrill. Actually, I did forget in the introduction about the other technical problem we had, which was the the recording ended abruptly, and it and it. Um, I'm really not sure what happened there because that you know I remember hitting stop after we'd we'd finished wrap up, but uh, when I came to listen to it back, it, it it was truncated and it ended earlier, which meant you didn't get to hear Steve, you know, um, plugging Black Shop books which is uh, frankly unforgivable so i'm going to do it now steve shore is editor-in-chief of black shot books black shot put out some of the just absolutely some of the best indie horror fiction you're going to read right now um they've got a you know the 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 signature novella series and the short story collections the shadows collections look like a, a who's who of the upcoming um british horror scene right now uh, you really can't go wrong with any one of them so uh yeah do go over to to his website black shot books have a look at the titles they've got there you know he's putting out new work all the time and he's doing it right you know he's uh he's got a really good um you know they're a good set of books they're well formatted they're beautifully produced they're reasonably priced um you know and he's taking care of his authors and of course one of his authors being me uh my novella the finite i'm very very proud indeed delighted that he agreed to publish it for his uh, as part of the signature novella series you can go and get the finite from him right now uh 
from Black Shot Books. You can get the ebook, the Moby, the 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 paperback if you want. Um, please do get them from the publisher rather than from Amazon, because you know I'm sitting here recording this on the uh, on the hottest day in July this country's ever experienced. We don't need any more giant multinational corporations uh, destroying the planet. So please. <laughs> Please support local businesses instead. Um, so, yeah, that's it, really. Um, again, thanks to Steve. An amazing guest. There will be more shows. I've got more guests lined up. I just need to book in recording slots. Um, thank you. I hope you enjoy it. I really hope you enjoy this uh, this journey through through watching Tommy. It feels to me to be kind of a, uh, you know, partly a victory lap, partly a palate cleanser. But it's so great to get other people's perspective on this absolutely fantastic movie. So I hope you continue to stick with the podcast and enjoy the rest of the journey as i as i do that um if you want to hear this show before anybody else hears it if you want to get my writing before anybody else gets to read it uh patreon.com forward slash kit power single dollar a month is all you need to pledge you will get something new from me every single week and you will get it before anybody else it might be a book review it might be an essay it might be a short story it might be a podcast whatever it is you'll get it first sometimes It'll be exclusive. Sometimes other people will get it later for free, but you will get it first every single time as a as a thank you for supporting me and supporting my work. Um, and obviously, there's even more award rewards available at higher tiers, including you know eBooks, uh, getting to watch me write live every single week, uh, various other things. So, patreon.com forward slash Kit Power. Um, if you want to continue to you know if you want to find a way to support me financially. Uh, and as I say, a dollar a month, I can't tell you what a difference it makes. Those pledges, they, they, you know, they keep me going. They really do. And to everyone who is, you know, is a patron back here, as you know, as I tell you every single time, um, I am incredibly grateful. Thank you so much. Your support means absolutely everything. Okay, that's it. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Um, and until next time, smash the mirror. <laughs>